Good evening. I'm happy that all of you are here tonight. This Joyful Hands had uh, closed down for a while, and recently we have started it up again. And so we're very excited to worship with you this evening. This is the Gardner-Webb University uh, Choir, Sign Choir. We do signed music together. And we've invited a deaf pastor, Brantz Long, to lead the church tonight in worship. Let's start with prayer. Father, we just thank you this day. We know that you are ready now, that you have a plan for this choir. We know that you have moved through us tonight. And we ask that you help joyful hands, those who are nervous, to know they don't need to be, to know that these, uh, your word will be proclaimed. We love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.
how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. For I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. Christ is risen from the grave.
I want to pray for tonight's service. Father, thank you for this day. You created this day. You made this day. And you have given us life and breath. We are here on this earth because of you, because you created us. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we love you for the love you have given us. We were sinners. We were lost in darkness. But now we come before you, and it's not an unimportant thing. We are important. We rise up. We worship you, but you have welcomed us. You have received us, and we're praying now, saying thank you. Whatever life's frustrations, temptations, sins, pains, you have conquered them, and we are saved. We are saved today. Our name is written down in the book of heaven. In the Bible, we thank you for each of you, for your plan for us, for your love for us. And tonight, we want to give Brantz, as he preaches the sermon, give him your word so he can preach and we can learn your truth, your word. Thank you again. I love you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow, there's a great crowd here. I am humbled, and I'm honored to be here I, to share his word. My name is Brantz Long, and I am deaf since birth. And I was, God touched me uh, for many years, and I have served him, done his work. I'm married. My wife and I together have been married 32 years. We have two children who are grown. Both are married. And we're looking forward to grandchildren. <laughs> we'll see. Today in Israel, there's a war, and our minds are on that, on what the news says, what it's talking about there. Special report after special report, breaking news, people marching, <laughs> protesting. It's confusing. Do we support them, or do we support the marches? I don't know how you feel, but it's, you're torn between the two. I've had several conversations with people, chatting about them being nervous, concerned about what the Bible says. Is this the end? Are they looking at all the terrible things happening in the world? And they're beginning to wonder. So my sermon tonight, my prayer, is to give you peace of mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I was sitting with a friend discussing my plans for a Bible conference, which I believe is next year. And we were trying to come up with a topic. And I said eternal life. So after our meeting time was over, there was a men's fellowship group and we were talking and the issue was brought up and I thought, hmm. And it changed my perspective of a verse and I've kept that in mind, related to my conversation with my other friend. And as I prayed, these ideas have come back to me. And my slides today that I've developed, most of those slides, I need to give credit to my good friend and brother, Billy, in, who works with Sardison in Colorado, okay? He had a list and I used many of those verses. I'd like to pray. Father, Jesus Christ, we have seen your word. It's from your book, the Bible. And I pray you will give me wisdom as I share your word, that everything we do, everything we say will glorify and honor your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, do you know this word, eternal? Eternal, this is the sign, okay? At Gallaudet, one student came from France and his name was Claire, Laurent Claire. Okay, he had a scar on his face, that's why his name sign is there. And he spoke to the legislature, asking for money to help set up a college. This was in the 1800s. I think it was 1817 they set up the first school for the deaf. And they were talking to him as he stood there. And he had a blackboard and he wrote his answers uh, to the senators and the legislatures. And one legislature asked him, what is eternity? So he turned around and wrote on the board, a day without yesterday or tomorrow. They got their funding <laughs> to establish the first school. Now the point of that, as his conversation, a missionary from China had a vision. This is Luke chapter 10. Go ahead, put it up there. Jesus sent out his disciples into the countryside. He had been with them many months. Then they came back together, and they were so excited. Jesus, we went into the villages. We prayed. We shared. We said, in the name of Jesus, and, and demons fled those people. And Jesus said, you know, Satan fell from heaven. Next slide. And Jesus said, I've given you authority. I've sent you out so that you can conquer snakes and scorpions and overcome the power of the enemy. 
Nothing will harm you. Next slide. Now understand, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That Chinese missionary changed, and this is what he signed. The name and the name of Jesus, you can cast out demons. And cast in, in the names of Jesus, you can face snakes and other terrors. But those are small things. Can you imagine even Satan falling out of heaven? That was a small thing. All these successes that you have, that you think are so powerful, incredible, you were, they were done in his name. And your name now is in heaven. That beats everything that you've done here on earth. Your name is in heaven. It's inscribed there. Now let me expand on that a little bit. Go to the next slide, please. How many of you have heard of that, the mark of the beast? Yeah, most of you have heard of that. Now, are you eager to learn more about that? Are you? Anybody? No. We don't like it. Ugh. Ugh, that's a bad thing to have the mark of the beast on your head or your arm. Now, wait. Let me explain a little bit. The name, your name's in heaven. How does that re relate to your ident identity? Who you are? Now you say, I don't want the mark of the beast. That's not my identity. But that's not what he's talking about. And when he says, the, when they talk about the mark of the beast. Go ahead, the next thing. Next slide. So where's that from? The book of Revelation and in the book of Mark. Okay, the mark of the beast. Now, in the Jewish culture, there was a special meaning for this. It has nothing to do with worldly things. It's a person who has rejected God's commands. That's it. That's all it means. The mark of the beast. You don't have it because you're a Christian. That's it. That's all you need to know. There's no mystery. There's no um, nothing complicated. Nobody's going to force you to take on the mark of the beast. Next slide, please. This verse says it makes everyone small and great, rich or poor, free or slave, to receive the mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, the beast's name or the number of its name. Next slide, please. 
many people are saying, well, that mark is related to a vaccination. It doesn't make sense. A vaccination, a needle that goes into your arm, you don't put a mark on your forehead. This does not make sense. But some people believe it. The vaccination is the mark of the beast. I'm just letting you know this. People are saying this. Next, please. Now, my grandmother, she's in her 80s, 89, 88, something like that. And she likes to sit and watch TV. So grandmother was watching, and she saw someone talking about the war and talking about the earthquakes that have happened. So my grandmother now she was, she thought this means Jesus is coming. Look, Jesus is coming. Some friends, some family members chatted with her, looked in the Bible, and they say, yes, yeah, see? And I warn them, be careful. This is not appropriate theology. This mark in Revelations on your right hand or on your forehead is related to It describes the mark being placed on the forehead, on the right. It's really related to <coughs> what was said in the Torah. Bind them on your head and let them be a symbol on your forehead. The, the Jews had phylacteries that they put on their hands, on their foreheads, small boxes, and they put Bible verses in them to help them remember the law to help them remember how they should behave. That was the image that was used. Maybe some of you have seen these. And they literally would tie these little boxes, put them on their heads, put them on their wrists, and they had little tiny Bible verses they rolled up and put inside and, you know, until it got full. Same with their wrist. Okay, the next slide, please. So these phylacteries, these little boxes, in the Old Testament, God taught them to remember the law, to do to act correctly according to the law. And they, they wanted to have big phylacteries full of Bible verses. So people would say, look at him. Look how big his is. <laughs> so it became change. It became something wrong. And that's not what Jesus wanted. He said that was not the purpose. That is so far from the heart of the message.
Now that was terrible. Jesus said, the Pharisees do things so people will look at them. So they have these big boxes with Bible verses. Next slide, please. Go ahead, next slide. Oh, sorry, go back one. Sorry about that. From a Jewish perspective, it's immediately clear that the mark of the beast takes the place of the divine commands. To accept this mark is to reject the will of God. It's very simple. It's not hard. People get all scared, worrying about shots, worrying about they don't want to be taking on the mark of the beast. No, I'm letting you know. You can have peace of mind. That's not the mark of the beast. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you do not have the mark of the beast. You belong to God. Next slide. Before the Babylonian exile, the Lord commands, pass throughout the city of Jerusalem. The Lord said to him, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the detestable practice committed in it. You know, these people had been captured and carried off to Babylon. They had been taken from their home, and God put them in a group to protect them. And their hearts were grieved. They longed to be home. But God put them there to be themselves a mark. Next one, please. In this verse, the mark saves everyone who has it from the destructive force of Babylon. Babylon and took them out of Jerusalem. And the people had to make a choice. They had to believe that God would save them, that God had put them there. And they killed the old men and the young men and women, as well as the children and older women. They killed them, but do not come near anyone who has the mark. Begin at my sanctuary. Okay, go on to the next slide. So in Revelation, John is, re is seeing the mark not as a sign of belonging to God, but as a sign of having rejected him. So it's being changed from what it was in the Old Testament. Now, they were to be his people, and these people were not his people because they had rejected God. These people were saved. This evil, when the Jews were taken into Babylon, they were put there. Now that that was, go on to the next slide. 
in Ezekiel, there wasn't, before the exodus, they had another passage related to the mark. Okay? This is the meaning of Passover. Moses tells his people, let it serve as a sign for you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead so that the Lord's instructions may be in your mouth. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. So Ezekiel was talking about salvation, that that was the mark. Next one. Now this is some expansion. You have the New Testament, you have the Old Testament. Now let's go on and look at Exodus and their mark. In Exodus it says, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt both the firstborn of humans and the firstborns of livestock. That is why I sacrifice to the Lord all the firstborn of the womb that are males, but I redeem all the firstborn of my sons. So let it be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead, for the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. So this is a picture, an example on the forehead that the Lord brought them out of Egypt by his hand. Next slide, please. So the blood that they painted on the lentils of their doors, that blood among the Jewish houses. Now, wait a minute. There's something special about this. This is a distinguishing mark. Notice it was a special mark. Can you move it down? I guess maybe you can make it smaller. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Okay, I'm not sure you could see the part that was hidden. And it says, the blood on the doorpost are a test of your faith. For the Jewish people in Egypt, this was a test of their faith. It was a test of their faith, that blood on those lentils. It was a declaration of God's promise to the Jewish people, to their enemies in Egypt, who were receiving a terrible punishment. The Egyptian people, next slide please, received a terrible punishment. The king called his men to come out. He called Moses and Aaron to come to him. He said, and they knew that they couldn't stay because the culture of Egypt was in conflict with their beliefs. So why did they have this on their doorposts? Next slide, please. 
So why did they paint it on the lentils and the doorpost and not paint it on the floor or paint it on the door or the wall? Why on the lentils? Why? Why would they do it there and not the floor, not the door itself? There's a special reason for that. Archaeologists had found things as they, as they dug them up, and it helps us understand this. The Jews were not like the Egyptian people. Their religion was very different. And that changed how? It changed their culture. The Jewish culture changed. They started becoming like the Egyptian people because they had been there so long. They started accepting their beliefs, their practices. And so when they'd go into a house, you know, they would be, be seated around. Go, go on to the next slide. And you see up there, the Jewish people stayed together. <clears throat> now they went in, out of Egypt. They lived in houses. Before they were a nomadic people. They followed their animals. They had tents that they carried with them. Now they move into Egypt, Egypt and they're living in the same place. Okay, they're looking for that. And so they lived in houses. So they came out of their houses in the morning. Next. The Egyptians believed in an afterlife. Their building practices reflected this belief. Now the Jews began to copy some of their life, some of their culture some of their beliefs. There are five things that they took from the Egyptians. So you receive eternal life because of these five things. These, they would build yeah, it wasn't temporary, they built with brick. And the wealthy people, and they had stone houses. So this Egyptian belief, they would put their name on the stone, and therefore it would last forever. If you wrote it on mud bricks, it would fall apart eventually. So they had a strange name for this. So they wanted their names inscribed in the stone, and they thought that would make them live forever. So these five things were included. 
Okay. Next one, please. These five things, these Egyptian beliefs, it was important to have a physical body so they would mummify the bodies so it would last forever. They would... The shadow was another one. Another part was the life force. And the fourth was a person's character traits. And the fifth, the most important, was their name. Their name. That helped them live forever. You know, they, and in Egypt, when you look at the stone monuments, the names are inscribed on them. The name, these five, and these other things, in their history, if you were a bad king, they took the name out of the stone. They chiseled it out. They erased them from history, wiped them out, and their name would disappear. You wouldn't know who was in that tomb. Now, one example, if you remember, that someone in the Bible did that on purpose. Who wrote the first five books of the Bible? Who wrote them? Moses, yeah. Next, next slide, please. Isn't this interesting? Moses never wrote Pharaoh's name. There are, we know the names of them, but he never wrote them. He removed them. Their name was gone. So Moses wrote it and just said Pharaoh or king. You cherish your name, but now it's gone. But the midwives were mentioned. Their names were given. He writes those in the Bible but not the king's name. Now today, people still wonder, which pharaoh was it? Was it he's, Ramses? The king name was everywhere. It was written everywhere. It was all over the place. Because they wanted their name to last. You know. So they would be removed one place but still there in another place. So those names on stone were important in the Egyptian culture. So the Jews copied that and they wrote their names on certain things, they were influenced by the Egyptian culture. So the lentils would have the name on it. Who, who the people were that lived in the house. 
Next, please. Those archaeologists had noticed that they would find these stones and they would have names on them. They're there. The rest of the house was gone, but the stones, those lentils, doorposts, had the names on them. Next, please. Here's a picture, maybe from a children's book or Sunday school book. You'll see a picture, and you see them painting, uh, and it looks like it's wood, isn't it? But that actually is a mistake. It's not. It should be stone. <laughs> now, this one shows stone, the second one. So it's very important. The stone lintels and doorposts had their names written on it. Now, think about that. Next slide, please. So there they are their names written in that stone. And now the blood of the lamb is being put over top of their name. The blood covers their name. The Jews didn't understand yet what that mean, meant, but they trusted God. And so they painted their doorposts with that. But can you see the picture of Jesus' blood covering us? covering our name. So that name is far more important than an angel falling from heaven, than the miracles that they did. And their names were covered on that doorpost by the blood of the Lamb. So where our name is in the book of life, our name being there, that is what really matters because it relates to what Jesus did. Our name is in heaven, inscribed in the book of life. And whatever name Satan's using, whatever's happening in the war, in the world, Satan falling from heaven, our name being in the book of life is far more important. Next slide, please. So it's interesting. Among the Egyptians, entire families were saved. And Peter talks about this too in the Gospels. He says, the people came together, husbands, wives, children, and they were saved. Whole families were saved. Next, the next one from the Old Testament. These are two different um, parallels. There were two spies from the Jews who went into the promised land. 
and they were told God will protect you, protect your family. And Rahab the harlot was able to save her family by marking her home with a scarlet cord. And in that way, when the Jews attacked, they, that family was spared. Go to the next slide. Christ's blood was shed to cover our sins because we couldn't follow the law. You know, even the Jews could not follow the law. They sinned. But Christ came and gave his life, poured out his life on those people, his blood on those people. Next one, please. It's very clear. God will not punish anyone who believes in his son. And if people refuse to believe in the son, God has already decided that he must punish them. They have not believed in God's one and only son. Next slide, please. These verses say, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And from now on, the Gentiles who have not heard the truth of the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Now the last one. All this time, we've understood the New Testament, the meaning of the mark put on people who do not believe in God, who are destroyed, who will be destroyed. God has already marked those people. In the Old Testament, it's there, it's clear. God saved the people, the Jewish people, because of the blood on the doorpost. And today, Jesus' blood has been given to us, and it gives us eternal life. And we are written in the book of life. Our names are written, and we are there for, our name is there forever. That means God's not going to uh, um, change that. You don't need to run and buy something. You don't need to worry about a vaccination. You don't need to worry about what's happening out in the world. You don't need to worry. God has put your name in his book because you believe in Jesus Christ and because you follow him. You're safe. And we come into the church, people start talking and saying these things. You need to know it means nothing. No one can take your name out of the book of life. Praise his name. Now my very last verse.
I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. He protects us. He holds us. Let's pray. Young people having to go to war, war, you should have peace. You should know in your mind that Jesus has already saved you. You're safe. Jesus in your heart. Amen? Let's pray for the young people who are becoming interpreters and the people who are nervous and worried and concerned. You can tell them the good news. They don't need to worry. Father, Jesus Christ, we look up to you. Your name is in our name has been put in your heavenly book. And it's true that we don't need to worry about the mark of the beast on a hand or head. All these things are done with. They're finished. Because you have already given us the process. It is our desire to serve you 100%. You have done the work. You were successful. You won. And anything we give you is, is so small. You have declared us right with you through Jesus Christ, through his work. And we thank you for that. And we ask that you will continue to give us strength, peace of mind, that we can go ahead and face whatever we have to face that's out in the world and know that there is no power in the world that can defeat us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and may you continue in peace with your life. Now I'd like to pray. Father God, we thank you for this service, this meeting, the hearing and the deaf together, to worship you and to know you, to trust you. You have put our names in the book of life. You have blessed us. And as we meet people in the world every day, help us to tell them the good news. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. To join with us for this benediction, this blessing. You can sing it, sign it, whatever. upon you and be
be gracious to the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you the Lord turn Thank you, everyone. Good night.